is called Awakening in the Charnel Ground. Hidden Lamp, Case 9, Seven Wise Women in the Charnel Ground. Pointer, what if everything was really okay? What if okay wasn't a condition that you enter or leave, but the fundamental nature of being? What if there wasn't a problem? What if you didn't need to get rid of anything? What if who you think you are is as real as last night's dream? Fleeting and ephemeral, creative and flowing, blossoming and vanishing moment by moment. What if you could rest back into the wholeness that you are. You can, you are. To see it directly, I cite this case. Seven wise sisters planned a spring journey. One of them said, sisters, instead of going to the park to enjoy the spring flowers, Let's go see the charnel grounds. Comment. In her sweetness, she sets the trap. Watch out. This one swings Manjushri's sword. The other said, that place is full of decaying corpses. What is such a place good for? Comment. Wise doubt, what is such a place good for? The first woman replied, let's just go. Very good things are there. Comment, goodness, who is this lady? Freeing us from good and bad, right and wrong. Does such a place even exist? When they arrived, one of them pointed to a corpse and said, there is a person's body. Where has the person gone? Comment. I won't say she's here, but I also won't say she's gone. What? Another said, what did you say? And at that, all seven sisters were immediately enlightened. Comment. What? What just happened? Indra, Lord of the gods, was moved by their awakening and showered flowers down upon them. He offered them whatever they needed for the rest of their lives. Comment. Are their lives over or just beginning? One of the sisters replied, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. Comment, do you have everything you need? What could possibly be lacking?
Then she replied to Indra, But please give us a tree without roots, some land without light or shade, and a mountain valley where a shout does not echo. Eight. Uh, comment. Foolish rubbish. These ladies have gone mad. Indra replied, ask anything, ask anything, holy ladies, and I will gladly provide it. But I do not have those things to give. Comment. Even the God of gods can't give it to you. If you don't have them, said one of the women, how can you help others liberate themselves? If you don't have them, said one of the sisters, how can you help others liberate themselves? Comment. Who are those others? At this, Indra took the sisters to visit the Buddha. When the Buddha had learned why they had come, he said, as far as that's concerned, Indra, none of the arhants has the slightest clue either. Only great bodhisattvas understand this matter. Comment. How great the field of formless compassion. Do you understand? Poem. The corpse rests on the earth like the Buddha's sleeping lion posture. Here is the Buddha's body. Where did the Buddha go? Right here, right here. A breeze blows through this rootless tree in the open field, all at onceness. In the open field, all at onceness. So that's the case. Now let's enter the koan. This koan has a very mythic quality. So we have seven wise sisters, a small community of women practicing together. Perhaps some are young and some older. Perhaps some are mothers, some elders, some crones, some young women. Perhaps it's the eldest, feeling her own fragility, who suggests, let's go to the charnel grounds. There's something important I need to see there, and I want you to come with me. It's a spring day, probably around this time of year, darkness of winter lingering in the early mornings and evenings. Yet the flowers are blooming, the Daphne's scent is permeating the air, the days are getting warmer. It's kind of like, let's go to Peri Nirvana session. Perhaps there was a part of us in our inner community who made that pronouncement, while others said, wait, what? That session is about death. What is contemplating death? good for. Perhaps, though, even more intimately, 
This is actually experienced moment to moment during session or in a life of practice. One part of us says, let's rest in awareness. Let's meditate. And another part says, what? Awareness is quiet and still, bright and spacious. What is such a good place good for? It's like dying. It's, I'm not in control. How could that possibly be a good thing? Rest? You mean giving up all of my efforting? What? That does not seem like a good idea. During this session, we've been emphasizing resting the body, releasing the grab on thought as an attitude of practice, letting go, letting be. Way it's the most natural form of meditation, doing nothing so hard to do, yet so easy at the same time. Resting back from identification with thought forms, judgments, the inner critic, resting back into awareness, which is wakeful, spacious, still, right here. What happens when you really let your body and mind rest? Give up trying to control your body and mind. So it's not like we're recommending you all of the sudden find this perfect easeful posture this perfect, easeful mind. <coughs> it's resting back from whatever's happening in the body. Resting in whatever state of being is arising. Tension, that's okay. Grasping, that's okay. Resting back. Resting into the quiet nature of mind, (coughs) being the stillness from which all that is conditioned move. And what is conditioned? Thoughts, ideas, emotions, body sensations, breath, sounds, visual phenomena. What is unconditioned? Rest. Rest in the unconditioned nature of your being. Chosen Roshi would often teach me in Sanzen using images. It's part of the Zen school to bring in image metaphors for the nature of experience. So when I rest back, I often use the image of the ocean, sinking back, deep into the water, sinking, resting below thoughts, sinking into the deep stillness, the quiet spaciousness of mind's nature. 
aware and allowing. Thoughts like the bubbles on the surface of the ocean. Do the bubbles on the surface of the ocean disturb the darkness of the Mariana Trench? the flickering in and out of body sensations, some we may call pain, some we may call discomfort, like bubbles on the top of the ocean, on the surface of the ocean, can't disturb the deep peace at the bottom of the sea. So that's one of my favorite images. Chosen shared with me that she would um, imagine going into a dark cave as she was um, sitting, was beginning zazen, and then just walk back into the cave until there was no more natural light. And she was sitting in complete darkness. And then just sit. Do you have a supportive place that you can connect with in the natural world where you can just let go? Let the body and mind rest into their nature. Five elements resting with the five elements. Someone yesterday told me when they open their awareness to the space in the room, they feel like they're sitting in a forest. All these trees in here. The koan continues with one of the sisters saying, let's just go. Very good things are there. The charnel grounds is the place where dead bodies are placed to be eaten by wild animals. It smells of decaying corpses. Some of the bodies perhaps no longer recognizable as human. Perhaps there is a sense of a place like this being haunted by spirits or hungry ghosts, strange characters, those with morbid curiosities and fetishes. What is such a place good for? If I were with the seven wise sisters, I would be happy that I was traveling to such a place with people that I trusted, wise friends, kind and compassionate companions. I have heard the seven factors of awakening, which was taught by the Buddha, called the seven friends. And I appreciate the the relationship here. We enter Sashin with the support of Sangha, spiritual friends, which in the Sashin, perhaps because of the pandemic and the rarity of meeting together in person, perhaps the nature of this particular Sashin where we're contemplating death, but Sangha feels particularly potent the community here particularly harmonious. 
beautiful, actually, both online and in person, beautiful. And yet, sometimes we are seemingly alone in our practice. Sangha is virtual or imaginary when we're sitting alone in our rooms. Yet we can develop friends with our own mind, develop qualities of the heart to support us. The seven factors of awakening the seven friends are mindfulness, curiosity, courage, joy, calm, samadhi, and equanimity. Back to the charnel grounds. Perhaps the charnel grounds are the places within our own hearts that we haven't wanted to look at, to face. Sashin has this way of bringing to the surface the undigested material from our lives, our doubts, our fears, our judgments, our ill wills, anxiety. It also has a way of opening us up to what is beyond our habits of identification and control. So both opening to the shadows of the heart and opening to the groundless nature of being. Both can bring up trepidation. Both are uncharted territory. Both threaten the ego's grasp and control over our lives, which we've practiced for lifetimes. But this koan reminds us that good places, good things, Good things can be found in the places that scare us. Good things can be found in the places that scare us. So perhaps it's an opening towards a more inclusive awareness, a finding inner strength, deepening concentration, discovering compassion, forgiveness, or deep acceptance. In Sashin, we learn to sit with the apparent demons of the mind and see what they're really made of. We learn to sit with what we call discomfort or pain and investigate it with kindness and curiosity, perhaps discovering that it isn't as bad or as scary as we thought. I found that even the label pain can cause me to avoid or retreat from a part of a body, react to a sensation. But when I peel off that label, use that analogy a lot, peel off that label and sit in open presence with that sensation, it's no longer reified as something unpleasant. And that's powerful. The mind is so powerful in its labels. And we have these like just long habits of labeling things and then just like, okay, know what that is. Don't go there. Okay. But to be curious about what's underneath that label. Is it really as bad or as scary as I thought? Usually not. I mean, everything is in flux. 
And you can come to know that more and more intimately in your direct experience, not a concept, but to feel this pain or discomfort and feel the, the moving, shifting nature of it, the heat and the coolness, the space. There is space. It doesn't necessarily go away, but the relationship changes. The fear response changes. Something is opened up in that space of allowing. And that's when we talk about acceptance. It's that radical level of like, I'm going to feel my life free from concept or label just for a moment. Another moment, another moment. So Sheen invites us to sit on the edge of our knowing, on the edge of our comfort zone, right here, open to the unknown. And this is a way of dying to ourselves during session. It's sitting right at that edge between what we think we know about ourselves and the mystery of this next moment. You don't know what's going to arise. You never know what's going to arise. The mind can predict. We can cut ourselves off from experiencing it by distracting. At the charnel grounds, back into the koan, one sister points to a corpse and says, there's a person's body. Where did the person go? Perhaps the other sisters were looking around, enjoying the sky, the sun, the mountains, the flowers on the trees. It's spring. And thinking, oh, this isn't so bad. And another sister goes right for it. We're here to see death. Look, look. We're here to learn to let go of our attachments, to let in the reality of death. Let's look at it. We can also do this during Sashin. The mind starts to settle and quiet and open, especially during this phase of Sashin. There's more openness in awareness, less identified with some of the suffering that we brought to Sashin. And then we find ourselves basking in the open space of mind and planning a garden for next year or crafting letters to people in our heads or writing musical scores or singing songs or just daydreaming. And it feels good to play in spacious nature of mind. But this wise teacher is saying, wait, look, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you? Right here. Right here is a person's body. Where is the person? What makes a person? Thoughts come and go. The body is taken up by the earth. Does anything remain? Master Totsu's third barrier. When the light falls from your eyes for that final time, where do you go? Where do you go? The Buddha lying on his deathbed during 
the Parinirvana, where did the Buddha go? Thich Nhat Hanh, where did he go? The you who came to Sashin, where are they now? The you who started Zen practice, where are they now? Where did they go? Right here is a person's body. Where is the person? Master Rinzai says, the true person of no rank moves in and out of this face. One sister says, what? What? What did you say? What mind? What did you say? What mind? What did you say? Turning awareness back on itself, questioning the mind, turning that giant elephant head back to look at the source of thought. What? What did you say? When you look back at the thinking mind, this is one of my favorite practices. I introduce this every session. When you look back at the thinking mind, just do it right now. What did you say? Often it shuts up at least for like a second. And then what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Look, look feel, listen. Another practice that Myoyu mentioned during work period is reigning in the thinking mind. What happens when you reign in the thinking mind? Let the mind get quiet. And then look back at the source of thought. Look, feel, sense, listen. Rest. Who are you when you don't have thought as a reference point? This is a serious question. Who are you when you don't have thought as a reference point? Probably encountered the narrator by now, just trying to set up a reference point at every moment. I am washing my hands. I am walking. I remember naively saying to Hogan Roshi, my first Sashin, if I stop thinking, I won't know who I am. And I didn't quite get what I was saying. I was just saying it very matter-of-factly. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) It's all downhill from there. (laughs) The sisters awaken together. The sisters awaken together. When one of us awakens, don't we all awaken? And awakening isn't a state. You walk into Sanzen with Fuho and you connect. It's a moment of awakening. This is one of the most beautiful things about monastic Sangha about Sashin Sangha, we enjoy and relish in each other's openings. We benefit from the fruits of each other's practice. 
I've been reflecting on all the transformations I've witnessed during my monastic life living here. When somebody in the Sangha takes responsibility for their anger and judgment and works on transforming it, the whole community benefits. But also when somebody lets go of the burden of self, the burden of self is eased for us all. Somebody walking around who's not holding a bunch of anxiety or projecting a lot of fear onto others, we feel lighter, less deluded in their presence, less defensive in their presence. Someone's determination can inspire us. Someone's compassion can soften us. Someone's vulnerability can open the floodgates of the heart. Someone's samadhi can carry the whole room deeper into stillness. Whose practice is this anyway? I was thinking that as I sat on this seat, I was like, gosh, who's going to give this Dharma talk? The room is just so still and so open and palpably awake. It's not my practice. This talk wrote itself. We are always practicing together. We are always awakening together. We are not separate from anything. Even when we are alone, we are together. Someone said to me the first night of Sanzen, the Zendo is so beautiful. You're going to be so happy when you go back in. It's like day three. And my immediate thought was, Hogan Roshi's in there. That's why. We're held by his samadhi. And then the sisters get their flowers, the flowers that they didn't go to view. They come raining down from the heavens, flooding their awakening, celebrated by an Indra, the god. This is a good reminder for me to appreciate and savor our openings. A moment of compassion, a moment of remembering to come back to the breath, being kind to ourselves, a period of concentration, the beauty and simplicity that opens up during session where you can look at the grass for hours or watch ants scurrying across the cement or feel the breeze on your face the deep ease and rest and surrender to appreciate these moments, to savor them, to celebrate them. Not like I'm so great, but like, this is my awakened life. I know for many of us, the habit is to ignore small successes. Oh, there must be more. There must be more. Or you know, the inner critic gets involved and it's like, no, you don't want to get too attached. You don't want to fall into pride. Can't give up our efforting. Just keep going. Which there's important 
saying there too. There's an important aspect to just keep going, not getting attached. But there's also something really wonderful to just appreciate. Appreciate the fruits of practice. To receive the love and beauty, the spaciousness and silence, creativity and brightness of the world opening up during this stage of session. It can be disarming. Things may not be as we think they are. And Indra is so moved by their practice that he offers them anything they need for the rest of their lives. If someone offered this to you, what would you need? What would you ask for? The sisters say, we have all that we need. An expression of true satisfaction and contentment. Do you have all that you need? Right here, right now. The only moment that you are alive. Do you have all that you need? Not what you think you might need for retirement or even in 10 minutes from now, but right here, right now. What else could you possibly need? Is everything you need provided? Can you relax into having your basic needs met? Letting the breath breathe you Feeling this body supported by the earth. Can you let your practice, even just for this moment, be that simple? Attention in present moment experience. Is there anything outside this? Well, these women are Zen adepts, so they go on to test Indra. You, God of gods, offering to give us anything. Who are you? What kind of insight do you have? How deep is your own compassion and understanding? So give us a rootless tree, a field without light or shadow, an echoless valley. Here we have a string of images of emptiness. A rootless tree of this body, stillness walking, dancing through spaciousness, traversing the groundless ground. When walking, what if you took the perspective that you were still? And everything else was moving. Everything, your entire life coming to you, meeting you. Even sitting here in the zendo, you don't have to make the breath happen. It just comes and goes. You don't have to make sounds happen. You don't have to strain to hear them. 
come to you. Shapes and colors come to you. Mu too is here with you. You don't have to get it somewhere else. There is no somewhere else. An open field, the image of non-discrimination, non-identification. Can you let be with what is? Letting this moment of sensations die so the next can emerge, the next will emerge. An echoless valley All sound only happens once. Each moment only happens once. There are no repeats. The past as it arises in memory arises now, arises here. Memory never a complete copy of what was. And then the memory fades. Can you let it disappear without picking it back up, without making echoes? Functioning in emptiness is the way of the bodhisattva. When we rest our self-centered thinking, when we lay it down like the Buddha resting in the parinirvana, posture, the sleeping lion's posture. We open to a vast field of potential energy. It is from here that compassion arises. Vows take hold of us when we empty out. Big vows, not personal vows. Vows to awaken, to live from love, to give up this self-improvement project, to share the Dharma, to nurture wise community. Living a life of practice is continual humility and empowerment. We are humbled by the truths of impermanence, interconnection, emptiness. We are empowered to taste our wholeness the unborn, the life of the universe being played out through us. If you don't know that this life is the unbounded life of Buddha nature, how will you help others liberate themselves?